Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Like Batman, we're rescuing orphans only to immediately put them in harm's way. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about my love of uh, internet sensation Xing Xing. Yes. This big fat monkey. Right, yes. In uh, China. Right, and the, you also had like a little crisis where you were like, "Is the monkey, uh, is the monkey uh, a fat monkey because like it's ill nourished and they're like manipulating you, or is this just like the way the monkey is?" Uh huh. And I just you know decided to put that in the back of my mind. Those are questions too big. I'm just enjoying <laughs> right. the monkey, but um, what this has done though is altered my Instagram al- algorithm. Yes. And now it is under the impression that I want other monkey videos, mm. which I don't. I don't, generally speaking, want to look at monkeys. Sure. Xing Xing, yes. The exception. Other, like, skinny monkeys, just, you know, like, in diapers and stuff? Like, no, what? I have no interest in it. Do you think it will start giving you, when it realizes that, like, you're not engaging with all monkey content, do you think it'll be, like, maybe other fat animals? <laughs> So they'll be like, here's a, fat, I, here's a fat owl. I hope. I hope that is true. I hope that... I, I don't have enough faith that that will end up being the case. Right. But uh, I would like it to be. You know, it is one of those things where you're like, Big Brother is stupid, right? <laughs> I know. Yes. <laughs> where you're like, look, I get I get it. Everyone's so proud of your like AI ability to like predict what I'm going to buy or whatever. But like, hey, I just bought underpants. Stop advertising underpants to me. I'm not going to do that again for like three years. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, well, do I train the algorithm? Do I tell it I no, don't want to look no, at skinny no. monkey videos? I, I just want to look at fat monkey videos. Every time I've tried to train the algorithm, you drive it insane. <laughs> like there's just, there's no, <laughs> there's no actually training it. Cause you're like, no, I don't want to see this. Yes, I do want to see this. Then like it branch, it starts these like branching paths. Total, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's kind of like a, uh, way back in the day. Look, I know people still listen to Pandora, but when Pandora was, yeah. you know, like new and you're trying to like train it by saying, yes, I like this song. No, I don't like this song. And basically, basically what I'm saying is what I, uh, I think you're right that it's not worth trying to train my right, Instagram right. algorithm because what it's going to say is it'll be like, oh, he likes fat monkey videos. Right. So let's show him a bunch of monkey videos. And then, oh, he doesn't like these skinny monkey videos, but we're out of fat monkey videos. So I don't know what to do. Here's like boiling broccoli or something. Right. I mean, I would, watch, I would watch those boiling broccoli videos. <laughs> you sicko. <laughs> uh, speaking of ways in which we're sickos, uh, my copy of Sonic Forces, we are no longer lending that out for anyone to uh, play for a short period of time and then send it back, or a long period of time. Used to be it would disappear for l- almost a year at a time. <laughs> um, we are putting a program to, to a close, and we are sending out my copy of Sonic Forces and my copy of Untitled Goose Game in a Sonic Forces box to two lucky listeners who email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com, and that will be its forever home. They will be there forever. If you've entered into the Sonic Forces borrowing program before, you are already on the list. If you would like to add your name to the list, please email us. Let us know, and we will send it to you. We are picking forever homes for both of these games uh, on real soon. Yeah, so j- January yes. 31st is the last day for you to send in your entry, and then uh, on the next episode, whenever that is, we will, uh, which yeah. I think will be a Thursday. Like I think it'll be a Thursday episode. episode. That's right. Um, we will uh, draw... The people who will receive we'll, it. We'll draw. We'll draw two names. You'll yeah. get. You'll get an email, and uh, I'll see if you're still interested in housing of one of these games. No, you will not know which one you're getting, uh, and then I'll send it to you, and that'll be the end of that. We'll never have to get, have the pleasure of engaging with this perfect program ever again. I mean, never say never, but yes. 
whoa, what do you think is going to happen? I don't know, but who can predict? I mean, that threw me for a loop there, Mark. <laughs> uh, all entrants are, are welcome. So if uh, you have not sent in your name before because uh, you are an international listener to this show. You're a scientist in Antarctica. If you're a scientist, really scientist anywhere, you are now welcome to send your name in. Um, yeah, if it, this is a one-way ticket for this thing, I'll send it anywhere on this planet. Mark, we've got an email that I'd like to read from Aaron. Uh, the email is titled, titled Souvenirs. Hi, Patrick and Mark. Looking forward to another great year of episodes. Sorry, another year of great episodes. Uh, I will be going to Japan in a few months, and I have a bunch of Nintendo-themed destinations planned. My first question is, what souvenirs do you want? That's very sweet of you, Aaron. You don't, don't, don't get us anything. <laughs> um, but second, what is an IP or an item that you would buy? Uh, an IP or item that, uh, sure, this is the question. What is the IP or item that you would buy without hesitation? I'm probably going to be purchasing something Splatoon related since I haven't seen much of it in the States, but I would not hesitate to buy something with Chrono Trigger or the Earthbound series on it. So that's the question. Is there, and I think specifically, like if you're on a Japan trip, what uh, like item or IP would you be like, I've got to get something with blank on it? Oh man, that's a great question. I think for me, it would be Tingle because I think yeah. Tingle is, you know, like um, hard pressed to find Tingle merchandise in the United States, I think. But, yeah. Um, but if I saw something in Japan, I would be very excited to own something Tingle related. Uh, that's such a good answer. Um, I, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to use one of our old hobby horses and I'm going to say anything, if, if there was a little, uh, a rusty, a rusty slugger, um, I would, I would buy that in a heartbeat. Yeah, it would, real have deal to, baseball. it would have to be the, uh, um, or I mean, actually it wouldn't have to be, but I wonder if instead of being rusty, it would be whatever the Japanese equivalent of oh, that's, rusty would that's be. That's right. That's right. But Aaron, uh, yeah, that is super, super generous of you. I don't even know what's available. Like, I don't even know what I could. I mean, here's what I would like to see. I'd like to see a picture of you at the Nintendo store. Oh, that would be so like, fun. That's, yeah. That, that, that's uh -huh. cool. So send that to us. We oh, yeah. Any, excited. like, Nintendo-related mascot figures, send us pictures of you with them. Absolutely. If you're being chased by a Waluigi through the <laughs> store, like, 100% we need a picture of that. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, like, an officially licensed Waluigi. Whatever. Not I'm not picky. Skinny guy dressed up. The last time I was at uh, Disneyland, we went to Galaxy's Edge, and there was, uh, you know, a, a little bit. We, we saw Boba Fett walking around. That was cool. I wanted to see Din because then, then he would have a little uh, Baby Yoda on, on his belt. Um, but there was a bit where Kylo Ren was walking around with two stormtroopers, right? Like he does. Uh, and I tried to get uh, Kylo Ren to take a selfie with me, and the stormtroopers, like, waved me away. What's the deal with that? <laughs> All the rest of the characters you can get your picture taken with. Kylo Ren doesn't want pictures. Look, I, I'm not saying this is the case, but did you see other people doing it? Like, was it personal? What? Now, why would you? <laughs> I don't know. I, had, I don't I need to put not, that into your I mind. I had not thought that. <laughs> I, I would not think that. And now I do think that. Now I think that's what happened. Is it personal? Uh, all right, Mark, let's let's get into our topic today. Let's discuss some uh, orphaned games that we would like to see on the Nintendo Switch. Now, Mark, do you want to tee us up as to why exactly we are talking about this in uh, as it relates to rumors that are floating around at the moment? Yeah, so we haven't really talked about it on the show, but there are rumors out there out that there. after Tears There's of the Kingdom... There's a world outside of Yonkers, <laughs> Barnaby. Listen, Barnaby. <laughs> no, we, I refuse. In private, yes. On this show, only sometimes. Um, So there are rumors that Nintendo after, you know, Tears of the Kingdom is obviously a heavy hitter. We know they have Pikmin 4. But that otherwise, 2023 and beyond is potentially a little lighter for Nintendo. Um, in terms of new stuff. Instead of, in, in terms of, yeah, like blockbuster games. And, you know, I, obviously, we have no clue whether these things, whether those rumors are true or not. But that's kind of like the buzz that's out there. And that the, and the kind of like the corollary to this is that there are also rumors that Nintendo is working on several remasters. So Metroid Prime. Persistent rumor. Persistent yeah. rumor. 
Um, recently, a rumor has popped up that uh, the F-Zero GameCube game, um, GX, is due for some sort of remaster. Uh, maybe that uh, Batten Kaitos, the uh, GameCube game that was, like, RP JRPG that was developed by Monolith Soft before they were absorbed by Nintendo right. um, is due for a remake. So that got us thinking, are there other games that are kind of like, you know, uh, I, I think I think there are, there are just a handful of other that like are maybe not in the uh, the current uh, rumor mill, but like um, the the rest of the Metroid Prime trilogy has also been sort of a like oh yeah that's done and Nintendo oh, yeah. just has to push the button to release it or um, the uh, uh, Twilight Princess and and Wind Waker HD from from uh, Wii U. Um, that th those are all this, all of these games are already in like the stew of games that feel like they could be coming to switch at any time. Um, so yeah, this is what we wanted to do was we wanted to try and like pick some games out that also feel orphaned on, uh, older hardware that haven't been revisited. Um, and some of some of my picks like have have been at least uh, re-released on uh, virtual consoles or are available in like some way sort of but not on uh not on switch in any way right like i'm not i'm not picking uh star fox 64 or whatever even though like a new star fox game would be fun um but so yeah that's uh that that's sort of our our assignment here is picking games out of nintendo's past that um, are cut off from the, the current timeline and uh, putting them on Switch. Yep. Um, so we've each come with a couple examples here. Uh, three to five. We have not discussed these ahead of time. I don't know how many Mark has. He doesn't know how many I have. Uh, and But we can both guess the kinds of games that the other person is going to put on, uh, on our lists. Uh, so Mark, would you like to go first or would you like to go second? Uh, I elect to go second go ahead patrick and i shall go first and my with my first i'm going to both lean on an old hobby horse of mine and cheat um because i'm not going to pick an individual game i'm going to pick a whole game library um and it's not hard for me to pick this whole game library because it's only 14 games i'm referring of course to the virtual boy um the Virtual Boy, sh such a short-lived uh, concept from 1995, uh, un t totally unplayable. None of the games have been like reworked or recontextualized or anything. None of them. None of them. There's a Wario Land game on there. There's a Mario game on there. Um, there's tennis. There's a, a boxing game. Wait, what is the Mario game on there? Mario Clash. Um, so it's it's like the original Mario Brothers, but it's uh, there oh, are like two planes of that's action. That's right. Um, and so there are some of the enemies that you have to attack from above, some from below, and some you have to like huck a shell shell at from if they're in the background, you have to throw it from the foreground and vice versa, right? Um, so you know it's it's all of these games that like I I get why like the, the Virtual Boy is. Uh, a relative embarrassment for not even a relative embarrassment, just kind of a straight up embarrassment for, for Nintendo. Um, but there are, you know, the five games that came out of Nintendo directly. Um, there's Mario Tennis, uh, Mario Clash, Virtual Boy Wario Land, Telero Boxer, and of course, Nestor's Funky Bowling. Um, and like of those games, I would be excited, like genuinely excited to have access again to Mario Clash. Uh, Wario Land and Tellero Boxer, and I'd at least turn on Nestor's Funky Bowling, because um, how many games you get to play as 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 Nestor, right? <laughs> right. It's it's two. It's Pilot Wing sixty four in this, um, and then uh, Intelligent Systems made a, a pinball game. Uh, that's the, the Fire Emblem Studio. They made a pinball game called Galactic Pinball, which I re remember being cool, um, but probably just because like. A, a pinball machine is a pretty good application. Like a virtual pinball machine is a pretty good application for the Virtual Boy. Um, and uh, Atlas made a, a Shimagami Tensei spinoff called Jack Brothers or Jack Bros. Um, and the rest of it is all kind of shovelware. But that, I mean, that was what, seven games? That's half the library right there that I'm at least interested in like turning on and spending a little bit of time with. It definitely feels like the a missed opportunity of the 3DS era to uh, not yes. have any Virtual Boy content on there. It's also been so, I mean, I guess from my perspective, it has been so long since the Virtual Boy was released and like yes. bombed so hard 
that I think like Nintendo could capitalize on the small slice of people who have a fondness. Yes. I, I would guess like the majority of the world has no idea that the Virtual Boy existed. Sure. You know, and but it, they're so far removed from the history and like the pain of the Virtual Boy that like for the people who do remember, how it's d- remembered how, like yeah. kind of fondly at this point. Well, and also like for 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 people who, you know, weren't alive when the Virtual Boy existed, which, you know, those people are adults now, you know, they it's 18 years ago the thing came out. Um that like are Super Nintendo games any stranger? And obviously the Super Nintendo has like a, a bomb library. It's incredible. But like it's a similar like historic curiosity at this point. Um, why not trot these things out? And especially when like the bones of a lot of these games are fun. They're just like unplayable in this like black and red presentation. Right. Which, you know, I don't think you would need to bring that part of it over you could do a grayscale like game boy and i totally get or just color them up like who cares like just just just, like make new models Uh like uh if if teleroboxer teleroboxer all it is is punch out but with robots um which uh like yeah just do that just make teleroboxer right like why not that's a killer concept yeah it seems like you could just package all of these up in a single collection if you wanted to or sell them for like five bucks a piece. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it is just, just like, I never owned a virtual boy, but I remember playing with one and uh, um, I, you know, I wouldn't say that I have a fondness for any of the games, but I would certainly be interested in checking it out if they ever released them. Um, virtual boy, Wario land in, in particular is, is one that I like, I know I've, played and beaten that game and i know that it is a good wario land game which by the way there isn't one on switch there is no wario land game on switch even though they've made like five or six of them in the past um so anyway that's that's my my first entry here is just virtual boy games even if they are only the first party virtual boy games that's still five of them yeah that would be really cool to see again someday yeah and like sell them all on like one card right like I don't know. It 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 just it seems like it would be such a cool thing to trot out as like a part of their history and so in line with uh like what they did with Famicom Detective Club, right? Totally. Of like remember these ancient classics that actually no you don't actually remember, but there was some greatness hidden there. That's all I want. Well, my first pick is from the Nintendo DS and it's a uh, I guess kind of a cheat as well cuz it's actually not a Nintendo developed game anyways, but it's Dragon Quest IX Sentinels of the Starry Sky. This is such a great pick. And uh, I, so one of the things that sets Dragon Quest IX apart from other Dragon Quest games is that it had a multiplayer aspect. So you and I think it was three friends in local multiplayer could team up and like play together. So it was a little bit kind of taking from like Diablo, you know, like trying dipping its toes into this like idea of a persistent like uh RPG type thing. Not really like an MMO, but dipping its toes. Right. It, it it's a uh, I it's still an MMO but like a minimally multiplayer online game. Well, an online isn't totally right either. <laughs> right. Minimal multiplayer local <laughs> So an MML, <laughs> um, yeah, it's you're a little bit underselling the because um, the game is balanced for multiple people to play it, right? It's it's not really balanced for it becomes a very grindy experience if you're playing it by yourself. Yes, that is true. Uh, and I I played this game by myself, and so my experience with it was there is a lot of grinding in Dragon Quest Nine if you're playing by yourself in order to uh, complete it. And, you know, it's not like the um, ultimate multiplayer experience from my understanding you know it if i'm playing with you in your way leveled than or higher level than me or i haven't advanced like only your progress saves you know what i mean like the main person like all that kind of stuff it was a really cool idea but the second part of it that is not like a um continuous online was this kind of like asynchronous online that was so popular in japan that it apparently heavily influenced street pass for the nintendo 3ds and so the way that it worked is that if you know, you had um, Dragon Quest Nine save data, and I had Dragon Quest Nine save data, and we were, like, past each other on a train or a convention or just, like, on the street. Our DSs would talk to each other, and I could get, like, a map from you. You would get something from me, and they're, like, these... Um, 
uh, just like little mini dungeons for you to go and explore that were randomly generated. And it was incredibly popular in Japan um, because there were so many DSs. And so, you know, the game kind of like never ended for a lot of people because you were getting all of these new dungeons, meaning you could, it was just a way for you to go and continue the game and get new treasure and continue to level your characters without having to grind the same areas over and over. Um, no, that, that, uh, well, and like applying that sort of logic to now, if it's just like, uh, that you, uh, have a friend who is on, on your switch is friendless that is also playing the game that you would either automatically, or you could like choose to send your friends gifts. Obviously that's something that has become so much a part of online gaming in, uh, you know, the, the decade, the, the 2020s, um, that like. Yeah, that that would be perfectly applied there. Yeah. And also it would be so easy to party up because you could just do it online. Totally. Uh, I don't want to step on any toes, so uh, tell me if you have one of these later on. But, like, the same sort of thing applies to, like, Triforce Heroes and Metroid Prime Federation Forces, right? Oh, yeah. No, 100%. I don't have either of those on my list. But, yes, like, uh, especially, I feel like, oh, actually, all three of those, you're totally right, because I never played Sentinels of the Starry Sky online, like, with friends or anything. Um, You and I, with Matt Acevedo, played Triforce Heroes, and that was a lot of fun. That was a great time, Um, yeah. But I've never played Federation Forces, and now trying to get people to play it with, like, a 3DS would be impossible. Sounds insane, yeah. But, uh, yeah, put these games on Switch, for sure. Um, Because, like, just imagine, like, yeah, yeah, and the, you've got the the phone app, so you could do like the voice chat with them too. Right, the and now that there's wrong. and now that there is uh, other Metroid games in the world and announced, yes, I feel like the poison that surrounded Federation right, forces. Right. Could, um, it, no, 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 no. Here's the thing: you would have to show us something of Prime Four <laughs> before, like if if at the Nintendo Direct in February, there's like a Metroid Prime logo, and then it says Federation Forces Two. <laughs> <laughs> the cities would burn, Mark. <laughs> but um, yeah, Dragon Quest Nine, uh, my pick. That's a very good pick, um, Mark. I my for my second pick. This is a game that has been ported to one other system, but even that system is now, um, uh, you know, in 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 the the past of of Nintendo's. Um, whatever. Why is this sentence still going? They should have stopped. This <laughs> game is in the past. I'm referring, of course, to Diddy Kong Racing. Ah, um, a Nintendo 64 game developed by Rare. Um, featuring Diddy Kong and his friends as they do kart racing on an island. Um, and it, if you're saying, hey, that sounds like Mario Kart, uh, you're not wrong. It's very Mario Kart E, um, but with uh, a couple of huge exceptions, right? Um, so I, I just want to get through some some sort of like base, uh, some base stats about the game, right? Eight playable characters, uh, two unlockable in addition to that. Um, in the DS uh, re-release, um, two of those characters are, are replaced by Dixie and Tiny Kong. Um, uh, and it's because they had to replace Banjo and Conker, who appear there before they appear in their own games. Um, so uh, Banjo-Kazooie and Conker's Bad Fur Day had not yet come out. Um, and obviously those are now very squarely like... Uh, mascots for Rare, who is now owned by Microsoft. So, like, would they ever, you know, be back on the Nintendo platform? Who knows? Um, and I know that uh, Banjo Kazooie is available on the Nintendo 64 NSO, um, but this feels different. Um, there are three different vehicles that you can drive in the game. There's a cart, which is, you know, you think of as kind of normal. There's a hovercraft, which goes over water and, like, kind of steers in a, a loose kind of way. And then there's a plane, which flies in the air, Mark. Um, there are five different kinds of power-ups, um, each with three different levels of strength. So as you're, like, driving towards a balloon, if it's red, you know that's going to be a projectile. And you get two red ones in a row, and it, like, levels up that projectile. So it's like a missile, and then it's... Uh, a homing missile and then it's like three missiles um blue is for boosts uh green is like a trap like a, an oil slick or whatever yellow is shields uh and rainbow is magnets there are 20 tracks split up over five different themed worlds there are uh, uh and, and uh the the ds version adds uh, a, another world there are four challenge levels uh based on each of the first four worlds five boss races and challenge races in the overworld like it is just uh, it is a a game rich in content and is just enough of a twist on the Mario Kart formula 
to make it not feel redundant to Mario Kart. And Mario Kart is in a place where, where does it go from here? Right. Where? Like, and it must, that, that energy, that appetite must go somewhere. But like, if you make it a new Mario Kart game, it's just got to be like, brand new and then it'll have like a third the content of of mario kart 8 deluxe so like diddy kong racing is the answer Ooh, would be perfect for like uh setting the stage for a donkey kong renaissance if that rumor donkey kong game from like the mario team yes ever is real and exists kind of like prime the pump a little bit prime with the, uh, yes. diddy kong racing prime the pump with diddy kong racing has like i said already been remade for the ds um, and while that version does, like I said, a- add a whole world full of, you know, four new tracks, um, it is, uh, real bad in that it, at the beginning of every race, you know how in Mario Kart, um, there's like the little do, 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 and you gotta like push the button at the right time to get like a little boost off the starting line. Um, depending on what vehicle you are piloting, there's a different little like touch mini game you have to play. So like if it's the the plane, you have to like spin the propeller with with the stylus, um, which is just drawing a circle as fast as you can. Uh, and then you've got to like throw this thing so you can push put you know your hand on on the button to make it go. I believe it's the hovercraft that you have to blow into it. Oh no, it's bad news. Um, so we could cut that part out, lift it out entirely, get the new content, but like absolutely not have have that component in there that's a great pick my second pick is i hate to say it but probably a bad game but i would like to see it um rehabilitated you know uh the reason i thought of this is because knights of the old republic on a ton of systems but also is getting a remake or was getting a remake i I don't think who knows what's who knows what's happening anymore there but I think a there's a similar game for the Nintendo 64 that is due for her rehabilitation. And that, of course, what? is Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Here we go. It has one. Do, has, has it even? Because, like, we're in that age of, like, uh, Star Wars remasters, right? Uh-huh. Or like, But it's not in that collect in, in those games? I don't think so. I don't think Shadows of the Empire has. I think I, you're right. So I think it was released on PC. Okay. Um, in like '98, but I don't even think it's available on like Steam nowadays. Sure. So you know still what I mean? pre like, Phantom been, Menace. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Like I, I think it has been many, 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 many years right. since you could buy, buy a new copy of Shadows of the Empire, and I think it is time for that tyranny to end. Wow. Let us play Shadows of the Empire. Let us play a better version of right. Shadows of right. the Empire. Right. Like uh, the first level of that game. A powerhouse. It's the Battle of Hoth. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. The rest of the game, a mixed bag. Yeah, a mixed bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, th- this is a definitely a game that's a candidate for like a uh, from the ground up remake, yeah. right? Where it's like. Uh, some people saw drawings of uh, Shadows of the Empire. They read the book and they had the Prince Zizor action figure and they were like, all right, got it. We're, we'll make the game. We know what Dash Rendar's deal is. Um, yeah. And I, do you, I just like, think of how crazy it would be if they used the uh, like Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order engine oh my to gosh. remake Like all this Shadows like motion Empire. capture. It's like super realistic. Who, who plays Dash Rendar for you? Um, hmm. Yeah, what actor nowadays is Dash Rendar-esque? It's tough. I mean, what actor was Dash Rendar-esque at, in 1997 or whatever? <laughs> Just because he's redhead? <laughs> Does he have a goatee? Does Dash have a goatee? I, in, my, in my mind's eye, Dash has like a, like a beard of some sort. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm picturing too. Anyway. <laughs> it's a, you know, uh... It's a yeah. I just think it's a a game that would be fun to kind of like uh, excavate and rehabilitate. Yeah, I I I, I agree with that. Um, but I don't think I would want to play just like a, a a cleaned up version of it or like a an HD version of it. I don't think that's enough. No, I think uh, I think if they included that on you know like Nintendo Switch Online, then mm. that would be a good addition. Yeah, right. Totally, you could totally. dabble with it. Um, but honestly, it'll be as good as playing Goldeneye. <laughs> it'll be the same good. 
aren't going to be fun experiences. <laughs> I know so, yeah. we're excited, but let's <laughs> dial it back. So yeah, Shadows of the Empire. It's a good pick, Mark. Um, would also like to see Shadows of the Empire like expanded the game expanded to include you know the adventures of like Leia and Luke as they are in the book. Oh, you know, uh-huh. like that's cool stuff. Um, and I understand all of that is relegated to legend now. So like, but that's fine. It can be a Legends it game. It can be a Legends Go game. Go crazy. That's fine. Um, all right. Uh, my th- the third game on my list is uh not not a cool pick. This isn't cool, Mark. I I that is hard for me to believe. Coming from you? D- thank you. Um this is a profoundly uncool pick. Um but I think the Switch is in enough hands now that enough people have it. Um and enough different kinds of game players have it and gaming has evolved to the be this like, you know, bigger net that catches all these other people who are just interested in doing whatever uh on on, on their systems. Nintendogs and cats. Uh, let's bring this concept back um, that you can just have a dog that you take care of, that you check in on, that you take to the park. You can either play with it on your TV or you could actually take it to the park. Uh, you could send your dog to your friend so that your dogs could play together. Um, like, why, 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 why isn't this a thing in like the modern age where you just have like a little virtual pet? Yeah, I... And why isn't it a phone game too? Like both things are true, but I think I could totally see it living on the Switch. I feel like the Joy-Con, you know, brings so much. Obviously, on the DS and the Nintendo 3DS, having the touchscreen interface, yeah. you know, made a difference. But I just feel like the Joy-Con can't repl- can't replicate that. But you still have a lot of freedom in what you could do, and then you still have the touchscreen aspect yeah. of you know like the Switch in handheld mode. I mean, I think it honestly makes the because the like the the two big things that you do with the the touchscreen and Nintendo Dogs are petting the dog, which like yeah, that is probably hard to replicate although i don't know with hd rumble like if there's some sort of like feedback of you yeah how many ice cubes are in this dog how many no one knows um but like throwing a stick for the dog like that uh can be replicated easier on uh with with joy cons also in pokemon sword and shield you're able to pet and like rub pokemon using the joy always able to rub pokemon Uh let me uh, let me rub a dog yeah uh also like you know, give me like an HD like Labrador puppy that like it loves me and is just excited to see me and never ages or dies or gets sick. Like, yeah, of of course I want that. Yeah. I also think it'd be very fun to uh if it were um like more smartly integrated with uh social media and people could be sharing pictures of their uh, Nintendo, you know, doing whatever tricks they teach it, or it just being like weird around the house or whatever, like that. Um, I think it could be a very, I think it could be very cool with like modern, uh, touches to it. It also feels like it would fit perfectly in this like thirty dollar price range. Absolutely. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't yes. have to be an incredible like HD experience, right? Um, but I think it would get get a lot of love. At that price point is just something, you know, you um, just have an opportunity to just kind of, like, mess around with. And yeah. It feels like it could be, like, uh, like Animal Crossing, like, uh, yes. breakout hit type thing. Totally. And I think one thing that would be clutch, and I know the Switch is so far away from being able to do this, um, but, like, if you could have it so that it's, like, a quick resume kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, And, like, that if they have it running on uh you know using a little enough memory or whatever that it could just be like an app that is running in conjunction with whatever game you're currently playing um so you don't have to like close out of fire emblem engage oh and, yeah you know totally I mean? yeah so m- maybe that's uh, beyond the switch's uh capabilities but like you can go into the eShop or uh you know engage with like the nintendo switch online stuff without having to close the game you're currently playing so like I don't know. Maybe maybe it's possible. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Those are loading a very it's a very slowly I loading. I understand. A web page, but it's also okay. I was just looking it up, and Nintendo Dogs originally released in two thousand five. So it's we're getting perilously close to twenty years since the original Nintendo Dogs. Yeah, and that is perfect for the nostalgia cycle. Yeah, we are getting perilous, perilously close. So wait, that means before when I said people who that the the Virtual Boy is an eighteen years old. It's 28 years old. <laughs> yeah, that makes way more sense. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just turned to dust sense. at this table. 
I said it, and it was like, it doesn't. It feels like it should be older than that, but oh well. Um, <laughs> no, you're totally right. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't clock it either. Yep, makes total sense. Nintendog's almost 20 years old. So anyone uh, preparing an email to us to be like, hey, you got that math wrong. We caught it. <laughs> we got there. Nintendog's got us there. Also, Nintendog's across the series on... Uh, uh, DS sold 23.96 million oh copies. Oh my gosh. Um, if that was on Switch, that would be the sixth best selling game on Switch. Yeah, just uh, not to keep harping on this, but just imagine, you know, it's almost been 20 years, it's been 18 years. So imagine people who played Nintendogs as kids. Right. And then now, you know, they are right for that nostalgia cycle, but mm-hmm. also um, in a few years, potentially will be having kids of their own. And, you know, can share that experience with them. I don't know. I think it's a no-brainer. I think it's a good one. Also, it's good, like, training wheels for, like, uh, getting your own dog, uh-huh. right? That's it. Sorry, I, didn't, <laughs> I shouldn't have interrupted you for uh, what is either an obvious point or a bad one. <laughs> Mark, your next game. Do, uh, one last question. Did you... <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. Uh, this turned into a Nintendogs podcast. Did yes. you own or play Nintendogs? Yeah, or I, Nintendogs had, I had a Nintendog, yeah. Um, I, she was a little terrier. Her name was Lena. Um, and I loved it. Like, uh, loved taking her for a little walk. Uh, loved trying to teach her how to catch a Frisbee. She wasn't good at catching the Frisbee. And I was bad at training her. Um, did you ever have a Nintendo? No, I never did. Um, it's very fun. It's, it's just like, I mean, it's, it's not, it's maybe not even like a game really, but just is this nice, like simulation and it's chill and the music is nice and the dog's cute so like what more do you want my third pick is also kind of i i chose one game from this series but any of them will suffice and the one game i chose is one that is uh, a japan only release who again i think it's time has come to be released outside of japan and that of course is ripen tingles balloon trip of love for the nintendo ds but any, I think there's three Tingle games that were released for the Nintendo DS in Japan, and we didn't get any of them. Well, so wait, is Balloon Trip of Love, is that the one that's just Balloon Fight? No, Balloon Trip of Love is, actually, let me double check. Because there, there, there are two of them that are, are uh, Tingle Romance games, and then there's one that is just Balloon Fight. No, this is not. This okay. is an adventure game. Okay, great. So... The game's storyline starts with an ordinary 35-year-old man who watches a direct sales program on television and orders a book said to make its readers popular among women. And then when the man opens the book, he gets sucked into a picture book world. And in this world, he becomes Tingle wearing a green costume. And Tingle meets three characters who accompany him on his journey to escape the world. Yeah. So it's like it's mostly an adventure game. There's like a little bit of a romance element. So he's gonna like buy the pickup artist or whatever. <laughs> What's the name of that book? <laughs> that I uh, it doesn't <laughs> say. It doesn't, it doesn't specify. Say. It okay, doesn't good, specify good, good, good. this. Um, this description that I'm reading doesn't specify. But uh, so the a regular 35 year old man who is not Tingle, who is not Tingle, becomes Tingle in, in a magical this, in world. The, in this magical Got world, it. Yeah. and the people that he teams up with are other Tingles. No, they're not. They okay. are. Well, that's ki- good at least. <laughs> <laughs> they're kind of inspired by the Wizard of Oz characters, apparently. I love it. So there's a. Uh, Can K- they cross over with the codename Steam Universe at all? I'd be fine with that. There's Kakashi the Scarecrow, Yuriki the Tin Robot Woman, and Lion the Lion. Sure, sure. <laughs> Don't change that one. That one's perfect. Oh, that one's good. Okay, so released in 2009, and we've talked about this before, but Tingle, I would say um, the United States, the world outside of Japan has turned around on. There was a time when right, Tingle was right. first you know, like introduced, I would say, um, and especially when we were yeah. in the Major- Majora's Mask, right? 2000, yeah, but like yeah. when we were like in like the PlayStation Three, like Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty era, mm-hmm. when these kind of like Tingle games were coming out, they uh, the uh, the atmosphere in the gaming world was not ready for Tingle games, right? It, there's a, there's like a pervasive homophobia in <laughs> gaming that, and which is not to say that Tingle is gay, but there's something about Tingle that just reads as sexual other uh-huh. that I think people were like, I can't deal with that. And the thing is, like, it's it, Tingle has not changed at all, right? Like, it, no, we, Tingle hasn't changed. We've the, changed. The culture has changed. Yes, that's right. We are now like, oh, you're off-putting, and that's the appeal. Yes. 
No, that is. I think that is a hundred percent true. Um, the weirder Tingle is, the more we will love him. Yes, absolutely. And so, yeah, I I think it's just time. Let's let's get some let's get some real Tingle games. Yeah, I, I I love that. I mean, the the number of times that we have pitched like Tingle sequels or like just putting Tingle in stuff, like yeah, I I mean we we would have no choice but but to uh, but but to stand mm-hmm. right. We we must. Um, Mark, I have another cheat here for my fourth answer, um, because it is uh, possibly like sixty games or possibly uh, four different collections of games. Um, I'm referring to the Game & Watch and Game & Watch Gallery games, um, originally on Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance. Um, obviously, you and I did a deep dive into uh, Game & Watch uh, like a year and a half ago, uh, where we played as many of these games as we could. We kind of got like deeply immersed into the sort of like culture of Game & Watch machines, and it's such a like long-lost relic of what Nintendo used to do, and there was this period in the uh, late 90s where they were like putting together these collections and not only representing the games as they originally were but also doing like modern versions of every one of those games right like and some of those modern versions are transformative enough to almost be different game experiences uh you know in in and of themselves some of them are uh better some of them are worse some of them are about the same um but the point is there are four of these collections these game and watch galleries. Um, and then there's also two different volumes of uh, what are just called game and watch collection that were available on DS, both as like my Nintendo rewards back in the day. Um, and like what, where is all this game and watch goodness? Like where, why, why don't we have just like a giant collection of game and watch museum that has all of these classic versions of these games, all the modern versions of them, which are now themselves 20 years old. Um, that that's it. That's I, I just, I just want the, the game and watch collection volume two is the one that combines parachute and octopus. So it's like parachute on the top screen and octopus on the bottom. You can only play that on this extremely rare DS cart that you have to spend like, a thousand platinum points to buy in like 2007 and now like it's unplayable in any other way so like what where where is that experience Do you know one th- I, I i think this is a really fun idea and one thing i would really love to see that we don't really get from nintendo very often outside of maybe like a um a q a that they publish on their website or something mm-hmm. but you know for the the castlevania uh collections like the advanced yeah. collection and uh, I can't remember what the other one was, but yeah, just the, the yeah. There's the the there's just like the Castlevania collection, oh, okay. which had the, like the, the, the NES, Genesis, Super uh-huh. NES, and Game Boy games. Yeah, yeah. And then the Advanced collection had yeah, yeah. And what is really fun about those is like the museums that come with them. Yes, with a lot of archival material and talking about the game and the creation and that sort of stuff. And when we were doing the our our deep dives into Game and Watch, it was that sort of thing that was really interesting to me because you realized how like analog the creation of these games were and yes so much trial and error and the rate that they were putting them out and how like remarkable they were able to find these fun gameplay loops with really simple mechanics and the, like some of these things uh fold vertically some of them fold horizontally some of them have like two controllers that like come out as like separate controllers they made a donkey kong ice hockey game for crying out loud so it would just be so cool to have this collection like yeah. you're talking about but also have the kind of like loving archival materials to go along with it. Yes. That would be such a f- complete package for me. Yeah. Well, and like, so uh, I believe it was Digital Eclipse who uh, recently worked with Atari to put out that Atari 50 game um, that basically does what we're describing here. Um but I actually have affinity for a lot of these Game & Watch games in a way that I you know, just don't for, like, old Atari games. Um, and it summons, like, the same, not quite the same level of history, but, like, the earliest Game & Watches go back to 1980, like, 80 on the dot. Um, uh, some Atari stuff predates that, but, like, that's, that's, that, that's the beginning. That's, like, primordial video game stuff. Um, and it's just weird that Nintendo had such a presence there with all these cool machines that are uh, just largely forgotten now. My next pick is 
Uh, this is pick number four. The pick number Mark. four. Mm-hmm. Maybe potentially happening. We've had the faintest Ooh. whispers of hints, but it's Kid Icarus, Kid Icarus Uprising for the Nintendo 3DS. Uh, we played this as part of Kid Icarus Month. It was my first time ever diving into it. And one thing that, because I did not buy it when it was first released, I didn't realize how much of a Masahiro Sakurai game Kid Icarus Uprising is. Yeah. And I kind of got bored with the gameplay loop of Uprising, and I didn't end up finishing it. But there is so much, like, the love for video game history that Sakurai infuses into, like, Super Smash Brothers and Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. That same attention and and love is given to Kid Icarus in Kid Icarus Uprising, and not just the game itself, but in all of the other content that exists in the game and Mm -hmm. just like all and then putting aside like the kid icarus love there's also just so many kind of amazing systems in it yeah like all these small little like mini games or subsystems like um choosing the difficulties of levels and that changes you like your reward and i i don't know it's just such a remarkable package that it would feels like it would be such a waste to be stuck on the Nintendo 3DS and be stuck on a platform that uh like did not have the correct controller inputs for it right like um the the game is notoriously hard like physically hard to control because you've got to hold it with one hand uh, so you're like shooting with uh, your left index finger and aiming with the stylus with your right hand which is not intuitive like it's it's not how you control anything else um and uh, yeah, it just was badly in need of like optional dual stick controls, and they just n- simply never had it. Um, so yeah, it, it, and so like that's that's one way, and that is it is like ultra orphaned on that machine. Um, but also like just thinking about how visually spectacular the game is to see that with like an HD shine on it, like everything looking awesome and not on like a tiny little screen would be incredible. Um, there's another like aspect to the game that I feel like, uh, is invisible from the outside or that like you can't get from just like gameplay videos or like knowing its reputation. And it's that, um, there is such a deep mythology to this, like Kid Icarus that they're playing around with. And some of it borrows from like, uh, you know, like Hades is a character. So there's like, you know, like Greek mythology in here, but then there's also just like, there are aliens and like all this other stuff. Um, and like the game sort of like uh, doubles back on itself where like the, you're fighting Veridi at first, who is uh, she has like a, a, it's called a reset bomb, which is going to take like the civilized world back to nature um, by destroying everything. Uh, and so like you stop that, but then here comes like an alien threat and then you got to work together with her. Um, and like, there are just all of these like interesting relationships and all this mythology that builds on itself um, to tell a really like interesting and compelling story uh, that so few people have experienced because it's a hard game to play and you don't like know that that's what it is from the outside. Plus, we've said this about a couple of other games, but what a boon to have the multiplayer yes. for this game oh my God. on a yes. system where it's easier to play with people and there's lots of people that own the system. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I forgot uh, about the multiplayer. In there. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's, it's like a four-person deathmatch type thing, but yeah. there would be more of an audience for it, potentially easier to find matches well um, the, the, there was some like variation on the death match where like one person is like the exterminator trying to like kill all the others mm. and like uh if you take down the exterminator like you get extra points you know like it's it, it had like fun little ways to like uh twist on just like a, a straight up four person death match but also like how many games that are like 3d action games have that sort of like deathmatch style gameplay. Yeah. Like outside of first person shooters, like there really aren't any. Anyway, it'd be that that'd be super cool. Yes, yes to Kid Icarus Uprising. Uh Mark for my final pick. My fifth and final pick. Um look, we just got a new Fire Emblem game. Uh my copy of Fire Emblem Ga- Engage arrived today. I'm very excited. I am now no longer upset with UPS or Target or Nintendo. Um there are so many Fire Emblem games that uh, A, never made it to the West, B, are locked on uh, older systems, the Game Boy Advance, the DS, the 3DS, 
but also on the Wii and GameCube. I'm referring, of course, to Fire Emblem, Path of Radiance, and Radiant Dawn, its direct sequel. Um, games that I have never touched. Uh, and if I were interested in picking up one of them right now, first of all, I only have uh, a, a Wii U, so I could play a Wii game, but I can't play the GameCube game, right? So I could only play Radiant Dawn. It resells for like $200 at oh the moment. Oh my gosh. Um, and it's just like, what? For a series that is so much a part of, that is so interested in looking at its own history, right? Like uh, Fire Emblem Warriors, uh, the the first game was very much, you know, pulling characters out of, out of the past. Fire Emblem Heroes was all characters from Fire Emblem's past. Um, Fire Emblem Engage is pulling characters from Fire Emblem's past. Smash is characters from Fire Emblem's past. Um, it's just like, that's the the part of what the game is is its own legacy why are so many of the games unplayable on switch it is really interesting that and this is actually another one that there are rumors that a remake i don't know i don't think it's of the wii game but of like a previously unavailable in the west fire emblem is in the works for switch but like even the even the 3ds games like uh, uh, Awakening and Fates and uh, uh, the other one, uh, Echoes. Um, why not? Why not bring all of those to to Switch as well? Especially knowing that the third Fate. So Fates sold as like two different versions, right? There was the uh, Rebirth and and Conquest, um, but there was a fourth version that or a third version that was like Revelations or something like that that was only available as DLC. So like. If you don't buy that between now and, you know, March, it's gone forever. Gone forever. It does feel like there's can't a, buy it physically. It does feel like there's a real opportunity there. Just like we saw with uh Echoes on the 3DS. Right. Um, to kind of like excavate because the Fire Emblem has such a long history that yeah, it does feel like a missed opportunity not to um capitalize on that. Yeah. Yeah. Ab- ab- absolutely. And I wonder how much of that will or would change if they were to start putting uh, like newer libraries on the Nintendo 64 or the Nintendo Switch Online. Like if there's a GBA library, surely those it, at least the the, the two uh, that came out in North America on GBA would be part of that library. Um, but it's just like we haven't quite gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. My final pick, actually... Final pick from Mark Mitchell. Is, uh, I have a bonus one, Ooh. but uh, it's an also... Penultimate pick from Mark Mitchell. <laughs> it's also an intelligent systems game, mm-hmm. and from the GameCube era, and it's Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door. Yeah. For being such a like beloved entry in the Paper Mario series, a lot of people consider it the best of the series, it has never been released outside of the GameCube. Like, yeah, that was your yeah. one opportunity to play it, which is so crazy for being such a an amazing game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is nuts. Um, and like kind of weird to think of how you know, obviously that we've had the one exception of the original Paper Mario is available uh on the uh, Nintendo Switch Online service. Um, but other than that, like the Paper Mario games live where they live, and that's it. Like then they move on. Yeah, that's yeah. so weird. Why? That is weird. So. This is something that actually like flitted through my head as well. Not Paper Mario specifically, but uh, Super Mario RPG, Legend of the Seven Stars, one of my favorite games. Um, that uh, you know, when when you were first pitching this uh, episode concept to me, that uh, one of the games that you pulled out as an example of like games that got this treatment was uh, Crisis Core, right? Final Fantasy Seven uh, Reunion, um, and like just thinking about if you were to take uh, Super Mario RPG. And be like, okay, so that's Final Fantasy VII. And let's do a Super Mario RPG remake in the same way that they did Final Fantasy VII remake, where you're like running around like an active combat zone as like Mario and Bowser and, you know, Gino and Mallow. Like, that's awesome. (laughs) Um, That would be so cool. But I don't think Thousand Year Door needs that treatment, right? Thousand Year Door kind of just needs to be represented. Yeah. I think if you, um, you know, made thousand year door hd yeah that it would hold up really well i mean look thousand year door not a perfect game you know backtracking is an issue in the first two paper mario games i can't remember what uh super paper mario is like but um for the first two for sure but it is 
uh, it's a classic. It is an amazing game. It's kind of a shame that it is stuck on the GameCube and that it hasn't, and especially with as well as the Origami King did, I think it is just like we've talked about with Nintendogs and all this other, all a lot of these other games, just an opportunity to like present these games to an audience that I think is primed to appreciate them. Yeah. Well, and so, you know, a thousand year door is a GameCube game, right? Um, and GameCube is that like perfect, like it's, it's right in the barrel, right. Of being like long enough ago, but not so long ago that like the gameplay is fundamentally old game, you know, um, that yeah, like, Resident Evil four was a GameCube game. Resident Evil four was a GameCube game. That's getting remade. Capcom knows what they're doing. Why doesn't Nintendo <laughs> know what they're doing? It's also just like strange to me how hard it is to play GameCube games. Yeah, it's impossible at this point. Like, unless you have a Wii sitting around, and what? Uh, only like 100 million people do. <laughs> Where do you think all the Wiis are now? I think they're in people's basements. You think they're in people's basements? I think my parents still have a Wii. I get, you, here's, I, here's, my, here's my guess, is that people who had their Wiis like early gave it to their friend who had kids and then the kids have now grown up and don't play with that Wii anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I think I think it is like you say in a lot of basements, but I think it is even now uh like moved past the second hand the hand me down market, right? Uh and I don't believe it will be handed down again. Right. Well, especially now that they've stopped making just dance games for it. It's, I mean, look, Ubisoft deserves everything that's coming to them because they stopped putting <laughs> the just dance games on 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 the Wii. Can I give you my bonus game? I would love for you to give me your it's bonus It's Geist game. from the GameCube. It's Geist! Uh, Geist is like a first-person puzzle game type thing where you... Yeah, with shooting elements. <laughs> yeah, shooting elements. It was developed by N the N-Space, so it's like a rare kind of like Western developed or outside of Japan developed Nintendo published game. With um, a lot of of oversight and uh meddling perhaps from Miyamoto. Miyamoto was uh, sincerely and severely interested in Geist and in the haunting mechanic of this game. Right. So like famously you can like haunt like dog water bowls and just like all this kind of you stuff. You can haunt a shower head. Uh <laughs> you have to haunt a shower head to scare a woman who's taking a shower. <laughs> uh okay. John Ramey a civilian scientist and member of counterterrorism team CR2 is sent to investigate the Volks Corporation and retrieve undercover agent Thomas Bryson, Raimi's Two, best friend. 2003? Uh, 2005. 2005. I was just wondering when Nintendo started using counterterrorism <laughs> in their vocabulary. Uh, uh, one of the agents becomes possessed, kills the rest of the team. Um, Raimi is then captured and his soul removed from his body. I mean, there's a lot going right, on in this right, game. Right, right, right. So, like, do I actually want to play this again? I don't know. But it's one of those, you know, like, uh, moments from Nintendo's history. Right. That I don't think we should forget about. And no. I would love right. if, you know, Geist is represented someday in a Smash Brothers game as a trophy. You know, I, 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 I think it's fun to see Nintendo rep, uh, pull out these kind of obscure moments from its history. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. Oh, and it's not just, like, uh, an obscure thing, because it is that, but it also uh, shares the, like, dubious honor of being one of those, like, no, but we're mature, though. You know, one of those, like... It's one of so the, rare in Nintendo's Sin and history. punishment kind of thing, uh -huh. where it's like, no, 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 but, like, sometimes... Project Hammer. Sometimes our dudes have guns, too, you know? <laughs> um, where it's like, okay! <laughs> um, and sometimes you're a ghost uh, that... You need to haunt the dog bowl so you can scare the dog so you can possess the dog, right? Right. Um, man, what a what a what a weird uh what what a weird thing. Um, we mentioned it earlier, but and I promise we won't just name every game that's not on Switch. Um, but we mentioned Codename Steam earlier. Um, and you know, obviously, uh, like tactical RPGs are having a bit of a a moment now, right? Um, and even like on. Uh, Switch, like the Mario Rabbids, which uh, underperformed to uh, Ubisoft's uh, expectations, but um, uh, that th those are big games for, for a Switch. They had an XCOM-like game in Codename Steam, developed by Intelligence Systems, uh, and featuring like wacky characters from A, American History, and B, Literature. Um, uh, 
and it's just a, a big dumb game that would be fun to see on on uh, on Switch. Do you think that there's it's an, gone forever? Do you though. think that there's an audience? Because I don't think there's an audience for Geist. Do you think that there's an audience for Codename Steam? No, I mean it's. Uh, <laughs> it, no. It, it, no, it's uh, probably. I would bet there's more of an audience for Geist, uh, just because like it's a little bit older, and uh, although I don't know, they're both so bizarre. Yeah, but Nintendo prove us wrong. Nintendo prove us wrong. Uh, because we were saying that they're not gonna do this. I don't know. All right, uh, Mark. Those are the the orphan games that we would like to see come out on Switch. Let's close this out. That is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Uh, you should join our Discord. Uh, email us to get an invitation. We're Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com. We will let you in if you ask to be let in. Uh, Anthony DeLuca made our loco. Our theme music is provided by 8BitBetty. You can get more of his music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers. Saying thank you for listening.